Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges and subscribe to us wherever you listen. And I know you like this show, so give us that five-star review you've been waiting to give us. Come on, do it. And as always, we taught judging in MMA. You should head over to abcboxing.com to read the criteria. So we, uh, Dan, we have with us a guest this week. We don't do too many guests, but we, we get them on from time to time. Yep. And uh, our guest this week is none other, none other than the GOAT himself, Tajik Bey. How you doing, Tajik? Uh, hello, Scott. Hello, Dan. Uh, pleasure to to meet you guys. Thanks. Uh, yeah, great to be on the show, and uh, thanks for the kind introduction. No, absolutely. And and of course, you know, you and I linked up because you've had me on your Twitter Spaces a few times over the last few weeks or so. I believe, if I remember right, you and I actually were sort of introduced when I was on Ike Feldman's Twitter Spaces, and you kind of buzzed in to to talk a little bit. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's my recollection of it too. I'm I'm glad uh, I went on Ike Space that day uh, and uh, got to know you, and uh, then we, you joined the spaces, and uh, you know, <laughs> then the rest is the history. So I I'm I'm glad that it it happened, and we're you know collaborating. You know, we were in constant uh, communication. So I it's it's awesome. The funny thing is, like I feel like. I didn't really know much about you at all. Like, I, to be honest, I don't think I'd ever encountered you on social media. Um, don't take offense to that or anything. But um, all of a sudden, in the last few weeks, your tweets are inescapable on the UFC broadcast. Like, they put your scores up. They put everything you say. You're like every third tweet up there, man. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I wanted to kind of maybe address it also because uh people ask me i get this question is like hey you know your your tweets are there on the broadcast and stuff like that uh it's great and i'm happy you know it's, uh, i'm glad there is a platform how and why it happens i have no idea <laughs> but i'm glad uh, that uh, you know espn and ufc are giving me the platform to to speak my mind because i think it's important to speak how you feel and uh it's great to have a platform that can kind of amplify your judgments i guess I can shed a little light on kind of how I think that probably happens because my tweets from time to time, and I've had times where they've put them on more than 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 less. I don't know. I think I got one up this weekend. I don't real. I don't keep score honestly. But um, what happened for me was about a year and a half ago, uh, someone from the UFC production team, uh, Zach Candido, started following my Twitter account. This is how I remember it. And then later that day. One of my tweets got on the broadcast. I was like, "Oh, look at that!" Yeah. Uh, Zach Candido expected DM. <laughs> leave Zach alone. Got bigger things to do, Dan. <laughs> but yeah, so I think probably it's it has something to do with that. I'm sure you ended up on uh, some sort of. He probably encountered you somewhere along your way and said, "Oh, he's someone I should follow uh, and look for potential tweets to include in the broadcast." That's probably how that happened, Taji. Yeah, maybe I, I, you know, I don't put much uh, kind of weight to it. I don't have, I don't, I'm not aware of anybody noticed uh, kind of following me from the UFC or ESPN side of things. Uh, so I, I'm, I'll trust your judgment. I think that might be the case, but in any case, it's like, like I said, it's, it's. I think it's just uh, sheer randomness uh, in in the way it's happening. But I'm grateful, you know, to have this kind of uh, platform. Sure, uh, absolutely. 
And, uh, and you know, as a result, you know, you, your scores get on the broadcast uh, very often during the fights. So I figured we might as well, I mean, you, you, we, we kind of both thought this would be a good idea to just get you on the show. So we figured, why don't we talk to, some, have someone on the show whose tweets are getting up there and, and can, we can really hash out kind of why things are scored the way they are and that kind of, you know, why you think you saw it that way, why we see it this way and, and, and have a little conversation about it. But before we do, uh, gentlemen, Let's start off with a couple things, you know, coming out of the weekend. Uh, mostly UFC, but a little Bellator as well. UFC Vegas 49, the the, the weird number that we're at now. Uh, 49th non-pay-per-view event at the Apex Center. Uh, what can we say about Islam Makachev in the main event? Getting just a, a total domination victory over Bobby Green in the main event, which was 160 pounds. Uh, it, it's for all intents and purposes a lightweight fight because they just, you know, they, I think they just wanted to make the catch weight for Bobby Green coming off of uh, rehydrating a lot after his last fight. But the question I have, and I'll start with you, Dan, is what sh- really should Islam Makhachev be the next fight for the lightweight title after Oliveira Gaethje? Absolutely, he's the guy. There's, I mean, I don't want to hear he has to fight Benil Dariush. The guy's done. Or Dustin Boye. Well, yeah, that he's the guy next in line. And that's it. I mean, he's he's the most dominant lightweight we have right now. And and him versus Gaethje or Oliveira, I think, is, is a fantastic matchup and a title fight I want to see next. What do you think, Tajik? You know, I think uh, the, the biggest misconceptions about Makhachev that I have heard throughout his career is that, uh, you know, he is a, a Khabib 2.0. Uh, he's not. They're very, very different. Uh, Makhachev, in my opinion, is Hoist Gracie 2.0. He is... He is a submission artist. He's not as ground and pound guys. I know the last fight we watched him, you know, he went for double and then was like he ground did, and pounding. He did smash. Right. He did that smash. But it, this is not, uh, this is not Makhachev kind of in, 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 in his essence. And in his essence, he's, he's a, he's a submission fighter and he's amazing at that. So I think if we, if we kind of try to find the labels as far as who Makhachev is to the UFC, I think, in my opinion, in the, he is Hoist Gracie 2.0. Uh, and, you know, in terms of addressing his, uh, uh, whether he, he deserves this, this title fight, you know, I, I bring the comparison with, between him and Michael uh, Chandler, right? For Chandler to get the title shot, think about it. He had to go through Dan Hooker, right? And then for Makhachev, Makhachev beat Hooker. Uh, you know, Makhachev beat Bobby now, Makhachev beat da- uh, David Hamosh, uh, Armand Sarukin. How can you deny this man a title shot? That's I mean, Sarukin it's absolutely win looks even better now, doesn't it? He, right. <laughs> like, especially now, the win over Sarukin in the hindsight, my goodness, it wins like it, it looks like it, it aged so well. So I think it's 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 undoubt undoubtedly without the question that Makhachev deserves the title shot. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I, I think it's a pretty simple thing here. I, you know, anyone who wants to say, okay, it wasn't at lightweight, like it, I don't care. First off, it's five pounds. Is that I, something people are saying? I've I've seen okay. I've seen a little bit of that. I don't think that's like the big thing people mm. are jumping on, but you know, I've seen people say, Oh, he really ought to fight Dustin Poirier. I'm like, I don't know if Dustin Poirier is even interested in, in that right now. Like I don't know what he wants. Maybe he does, but I I don't see a reason why the body of work that we're talking about from Islam Makachev, for all the reasons you guys said, there's no reason to deny him that. Other than maybe you're worried he'll take the belt and no one can beat him. I, I don't know what that could be. So I, I, if I, as far as I'm concerned, if you think he might be the best, let him prove it. And I think he really has the body work. We've seen guys get to the top quicker and with, with proving less. You know, 
Chandler, very good, uh, very good example from Tajik. I, I, I'm very happy with the idea of this happening, and I hope it happens. So we'll see uh, if the stars align. But Bobby Green, this was his big opportunity, and it obviously uh, he. I don't want to say he failed, but let's face it, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't get the result even remotely like he was looking for. Uh, let's start with you, Tajik. What What does the loss mean for Bobby Green? Uh, you know, uh, from uh, there are two perspectives, right? That you have to think through this loss. Uh, one is the money perspective, and from money perspective, uh, it it means good things for Bobby because he probably made maybe a couple of hundred thousand dollars for this fight. Ooh, you know, I don't take, know about that. <laughs> yeah, I think he it's somewhere in the in the uh, in in around two hundred thousand dollars. But I'm not going to kind of say definitively right or send out like the breaking tweets and whatnot you know uh but to me it's like i i think he is somewhere in that ball, ballpark um uh and so from money perspective i think he did well i think from the career perspective now it's a little bit it's a little bit more problematic because instead of kind of going upwards towards this top 15 trajectory he would have to face somebody the likes who is also coming off the losses, and in in my mind, this this would have to be somebody like Brad Riddell, and uh, this would be a a, a tough tough uh, matchup for him, you know. So that's that's my opinion. Money wise, good. Career wise, uh, not so good. What do you think, Dan? Uh, I agree. I think I think I think money wise, good. Uh, I I don't think this really does anything negative for his career. I mean, he saved the card. Uh, yeah, I, and basically I, saved Islam's chance at getting a title shot. Because if he doesn't fight, then you go you open it up. Well, why does he get the title shot? He didn't fight. Uh, also, I, I think this open this is a perfect opportunity to to rebook Bobby Green versus Jim Miller main card in July, and that's fun and fight. throw it down. I mean, just a fun fight. I think Bobby Green, as much as I like him, he's kind of that journeyman, really. Same as you know, Jim Miller. Both guys fight. They really don't have nothing to lose. I mean, they earn their their roster spot. They're always exciting. Thing that thing next a fight to make. I think a lot of people were hoping that this was going to be like the the second coming of the Jorge Masvidal rise. I think that was something even that might have even come up yep. come up on uh, Tajik's show, if I recall. Um, but yeah, I I think we wanted it to happen. It just wasn't going to happen. It really, he's not that <laughs> one. I don't think he's that type of fighter. And two. Uh, he ran into probably the worst matchup he, he possibly could, right? He he yep. also said he doesn't want the main event spot. I saw that. Yeah, he was talking like, with uh, what was it, Megan O'Leary, right? right, right after, and he and she's like, oh, "Do you want another one?" He's like, "Honestly, no, I, I don't <laughs> want it. I, I don't want to wait back there. I like I want to fight on the main card, like be the opener." Mm-hmm. And I respect that. Like that's fine. You know, I, look, it, put it this way: if if he was able to win the title and get more money, I'm sure he'd probably stomach it. Yeah, but yeah, I. I think he's probably very content to be that type of fighter. I do like the Brad Riddell suggestion, uh, Tajik. I actually think that's a pretty solid matchup, but I, I also could see uh, Jim Miller. I, I just want Jim Miller getting somebody coming off a win, maybe, is the kind of thing. Because he's, he's getting some wins. He's he's beating prospects that they keep throwing at him. It's like, oh, test yourself against the, one of the toughest right. guys we've ever had, which is BS. But but <laughs> but does this really – I mean, he just beat Nasrat Hakparas pretty decisively. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean – are we just throwing that away and saying this is a, this is the loss to Islam? I mean, I I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I I think he deserves a good matchup. I don't think he gets knocked down the ladder or something like that. But I don't know. I just I I think I would like to see one more win, maybe from let's let's say let them both get another win in there. Why not? All right. But uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not married to that idea anyway. What's that, Tajik? Yeah, I think in terms of making a case for Bobby, 
the thing is, like, uh, we we don't cheer for Bobby because he wins or loses, right? It's the entertainment piece, right? So the here the thing is that although we we cheer for him and support him now in this loss the momentum itself is lost so we can still go out there and make a case for him and say you know give bobby somebody like jim miller the other guys but but that feeling that we have the euphoria we had after the hakparas fight is some is fading away and that's why it becomes harder to kind of to jump on that train again although we are kind of i think all three of us and uh, thousands of uh, you know, listeners and UFC fans are kind of will also want the same thing, but it's just now you have to force yourself a little bit to make that case. So that's the loss of the bit of the momentum, in my opinion. I, I think you're both bringing up pretty good points here, but I, I do want to ask you because outside of that, we'll call it a lightweight fight. It wasn't, but it was. Uh, there were three other lightweight winners, and actually, even though one of them was technically 160 pounds, the guy who won weighed in 155, so we'll count him anyway. Uh, which of the three? lightweight winners from the undercard has the most career upside is it Armin Sarukian who we mentioned earlier Ignacio Bahamondes or is it Terrence McKinney Dan what a tough question I know I thought uh, it was a good one I was proud of that one I was uh, proud I came up with that one I think Terrence McKinney probably has the most upside in terms of getting better where he can turn into an absolute killer okay I mean Ignacio Bahamondes I think he had the most complete performance on Saturday and I think and Sarukian was just an animal. Uh, once he got on top, he just smashed and kept smashing. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say McKinney most upside. But so okay, so that's most upside. You mean to grow from where he is? Yes. But let's say which one of them. I, I should frame the question a little bit better because actually the the one I'm really looking for is how high who's gonna get the highest? Who's gonna be the one who either gets the title or gets closest to the title? I think they all have a chance to lose to Islam. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> These guys are young, though. I mean, they could outlast uh, Islam. This is... Possibly. We'll, I mean, I'm putting you on the I'll, spot. Sarukians are... Uh, I'm going to go with McKinney again. Okay. All right. What about, what about you? What about you, Tajik? You know, Sarukian, if, I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, fought uh, Mahachev on a short notice, right? I don't remember uh, if that was or not. Uh, maybe. Like. I, I'm, so we would have to kind of like double check that, but I'm pretty sure he did. And and uh, and um, the thing is, uh, it was pretty close matchup, you know, with Sarukian and, and Mahachev. And uh, the way that Mahachev perform, uh, that Sarukian performed, it's it's almost in terms of the ceiling. I think sky is the limit for this guy, and uh, he will do great things. I think he he he's a future title contender. He, and he's improving just tremendous, uh, tremendously because a lot of people were making case for Alvarez because uh, Alvarez just came off a win with Moises and everybody was like, wow, these, this line is wide. Uh, Alvarez is going to kind of like has a chance here, uh, but that didn't materialize. And so we're in the, the situation where kind of like Tsarukian is, is this, this dark, dark horse of the division. Uh, and you know, during the broadcast and after the fight uh, with Fares Yam, I said that uh, you know t- t- uh, McKinney is the truth, and I kind of like uh, you know I I don't want to maybe stir or a controversy here a little bit, but I think I I it was it was in the moment that I said that because I rewatched the fight and I rewatched the first fight, and I think both of the wins from Terence McKinney uh, they are fluky. Interesting. And, uh, well, I mean, the I, first one definitely, but this one I'm surprised. 
Yeah, yeah, it, because it it was this awkward sequences, like I think in both, like with the first one and the second win, like the second, it, it, it's even odd. It, it's strange. The, 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 the way the fight has unfolded was also, I think uh, Terence is there yet to prove himself. I, I, I'm not saying that he doesn't have an upside. I just feel like we shouldn't rush with these two wins because, in my opinion, they will fluky. And, and I just don't know what his potential is at this point. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I, I do actually, I'm pretty bullish on Terrence McKinney, mostly because some of the skills that he hasn't even really gotten to show that much in the fights are actually some of the ones that he's kind of known for, like the wrestling, like he really can wrestle very well. He's got, uh, you know, solid coaching as well. He's got access to a lot of very good, um, you know, talented fighters in the, on the West coast where he is. Uh, I, I see a lot of growth potential in him and the fact that he already hits like a truck and can tap you out pretty well. I, I think if you have a lot of tools at your disposal to be able to win fights, uh, and, and, and Zam, I think, is a solid win like at this stage in his career. I think it's actually a pretty nice feather in his cap for this point. So I do like his upward potential to to even challenge for the title at some point. I, I won't go as far as to say he's a future champ. I, I'm not quite ready to turn that card over, but yeah... I, I think I liked my question too. I think any of these guys realistically has the chance to, to kind of break into maybe that top five. I'd say if I had to rank them, I would say McKinney, Sarukian, and then Bahamondes. But I, I, could, I think these are names that we're going to be seeing for quite a while. And I think we're going to look back at this card and be like, wow, this was actually quite a little peek at the future of uh, the lightweight division. But one more thing we should get into, and this is sort of, it is judging, but it's not the contested rounds because... All the judges agreed on all three rounds of this fight, but everyone, not everyone, but most people on Twitter, I saw a lot of fire uh, when Priscilla Cachoeira's name was announced as a unanimous 29-28 victor over Ji Young Kim, winning rounds one and three. And a lot of people seemed very confused by that. So, Dan, I want to start with you. When you heard the decision read, just in general, did you think that it was like it made sense or were you like, huh? The first, the, my first thought was, wow, those elbows must have been much harder and more immediately effective than I, I thought. In round three. In round three. Yeah. Because, I mean, I thought rounds one and one and two were, were rather clear rounds, and it came down to three. Okay. So, I mean, I scored round three for Kim. I thought she landed some really good rights. I thought she landed her best strikes of the fight in there, and, and Cashware's face was an absolute nightmare. Casuary looked terrible. It was, it was, her face was purple, but the thing is, Kim got opened up twice, and was just bleeding everywhere. I, I think that just that that speaks more immediate than bruising does. Bruising is a bit more cumulative. Uh, but I, I don't hate either way. You score it. I mean, I don't really think this is a fight to go up in arms about. It it's only an issue because of the stats. Say Kim landed almost double what Cachoeira landed. It's always but. tricky when when you look bring the numbers into it, especially because the broadcast has numbers that are kind of raw and and not quite uh, the final numbers. They're, they they will tell you that they are unofficial numbers. John Annex always quick to tell you that. Um, credit to him. But yeah, I, I think that's where we start to get in these weird num things where people are like, "Come on, they landed more strikes." But when I'm watching this fight, and I didn't get to watch it as closely live, I had to kind of rewatch it later on, and and after I knew that everybody was kind of mad, so I'm like, "All right, well, let's see what this is about." I thought that round one was competitive but i thought that it was it was pretty solidly for uh cachoeira but then round three i think you can watch that in two ways you can watch it where kim is landing a lot more she just is she actually is landing more often but i think when cachoeira is landing just about every one of these 
it's not only being thrown with more oomph, it's landing with more oomph, and I think it's landing more square, and I think it's doing a lot more... Uh, when I say impact, I'm not even talking about, you know, what it leaves on her face. I'm talking about what it does and how she reacts to it. You know, it's kind of making her back down. It's it's forcing her to kind of backpedal and move away from the skirmish, whereas Cachoeira is, is landing and she's like, okay, this is good. She's taking punches and saying, I'm not backing down from this. And yeah, you can you can kind of walk down and keep getting tagged, but I didn't see it that way. I think she's still landing hard here. So I felt like you could probably go either way with round three, but that I actually see a better argument for Cachoeira. What did you think, Tajik? Yeah, I was surprised that the public was surprised because I was giving every round solidly, you know, to Cachoeira. To me, it was 30-27. And, uh, you know, it, it was immediate versus cu uh, cumulative for me. And I thought that Kim had the, uh, when it comes to the kind of just landing volume, yet she, she did have the um, kind of the rounds maybe on the cumulative side. But I thought that in terms of the immediate damage, even in the first round with the uppercuts, that Cachoeira has been ran at the end in the second and in the third round, I think it was more visible. The, the thing is with the elbows, it's strange because she's been landing all these uh, elbows and then I saw her face. And I was like, she, she landed those lamb, elbows on herself? Like, why so much damage? Like, I somehow didn't see all this coming in the fight. Like, it wasn't visible to me. I didn't think that uh, Kim's, uh, um, you know, strikes will have this much impact. But, uh, you know, in terms of the scoring, I, I did feel like in every round, you know, um, Kachuera has been trying to go for at least attempting the finishing sequence when it comes to striking and trying to land an immediate and impactful damage, which I thought which I thought should... And, you know, it has to be credited, uh, you know, above above cumulative. So to me, that's why I, I ended up giving every round to Cachoeira. And I was surprised that uh, that uh, public went to, the, to, to defend Kim. I understand maybe from the general standpoint, people, people look at the sheer numbers like you say it's tricky right you look into landed and you're like okay significant strike she had landed her but i think it's 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 not uh it's a little bit more nuanced uh, than that and uh if you know judging criteria if you understand them i think it's it's only fair that uh, cashier took this round whether it's 29 uh, 28 or 30 27 Dan, what did you think of round two, actually? Because you, you seem to think that the first two rounds were clear, and that and I, I got gathered that you agreed with the judges. I did. I, I thought Kim won round two. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought I thought she was pretty much doing doing the damage there. I, I don't think Cashware really had the output in that round uh, to give it to Just her. Just that round in particular. Yeah, yeah, I mean, round three also. I mean, Kim came out like, this is, I'm, I'm taking this round. Like, the first three minutes pretty much seemed like all her. And then Cashware is like, I'm just going to throw elbows. I'm spamming the elbow button. And I'm landing them, and I'm backing her off, and it looked like she was wobbled maybe a little bit on a couple of them. It's just I, I, you know, for me, I, I thought Kim really did did well early in the round. Kind of, kind of one of those tales of two halves, kind of. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think I know what you're saying as far as tales of two halves, but I actually think that for like the first three ish minutes or so, I think as much as Kim is it, Kim is winning over that time, no question. I wouldn't debate that, but I think it's actually a lot closer. Then I don't know if you thought it was closer, but I thought it was reasonably close just because Cachoeira, when she is landing, those are, I think she's landing even heavier than Kim is. So, whether, you know, she's not landing that kind of changing blow that's really mm. turning the tide yet. I think those elbows started to later, but she's landing with impact, with great impact. I think every land she gets is better 
than Kim's lands, but she is landing enough, Kim is, uh, to be able to still take the lead. So that's that's kind of how I saw that one. I thought it was actually close until yeah. Cashuera really did kind of take it late. That was how I, I saw it. I, I would have to rewatch, but I, I kind of feel uh, what I remember. I thought I remember her running away with them. I mean, that, that's my memory of it. I could be completely wrong on that. I didn't catch um, that, but, but I got to I got to uh, rewatch to get a better uh, better idea. Uh, well, you know, I think this is the type of fight we should bring out every single week. We'll just talk about uh, Kim and Cachoeira every week. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? We should really move on actually from UFC because we do want to start getting into the contested rounds, and before we do that, we have to do just a little bit of Bellator because I, I think Gegard Mousasi in particular deserves uh, a mention here because Grant, you don't have to like the caliber of opponent that he he just beat in Austin Vanderford, but I think. The, the fact that he came out as the real dream catcher, the one who, when he comes out there, Gegard looks like a total world beater. Uh, and let's let's say in this example, Austin Vanderford was the world and Gegard Musasi <laughs> beat him. So really badly and very quickly. Uh, the question here, and I'll start with you, Tajik. Where do you rank Gegard Musasi? Let's say if he, pretend that all of them are under the UFC roof or whatever, where would you put him in terms of the middleweight ranking? Oh... Uh... Maybe, maybe close to top ten, maybe top fifteen. But uh, I think uh, you know, with Musasi, it's a little bit tricky. But but he's at the top. Uh, he he's in the he should be in the elite. Uh, I just I just feel like that uh, to me from the promotional standpoint. You know, he is he is in the right promotion. You know, when I when I speak about uh, when I speak about Musasi, because uh, when when you pick a promotion when you pick a promotion, right, uh, you have to ask two questions, right? One question is uh, how how much am I going to get paid, and the second question is how invested the company in me when it comes to kind of social media and hyping me, right? Like the, the social uh, social buzz, you know? And I think in terms of the UFC, when he fought, you know, he was given like very tough, tough matchups. And I don't think that there was much inclination from the UFC side to invest in him because there were, for various reasons, what whatever those are. Um, and so when he left and now he's in Bellator, you know, he is getting uh, all the shine in Bellator, he's getting the money and getting all the shine fighting John Selter, Austin Vanderford, uh, who else is there? Rafael Lovato. And we talk about him on one of the premier judging podcasts <laughs> about where he belongs in the top of the you know division in the elite, right? So what does it mean? It means that he's in the right promotion. He's being hyped. He's a great fighter. And he should probably stay in the Bellator. So it's going to be very hard for us to really answer this question where he truly is. We can make it off of some kind of feeling or, uh, you know, what you call it, like a, some kind of a gut feeling where he would do, where, where, where he ranks. But we're not going to know until he fought, he fights against the uh, top of, uh, against the elite in the UFC. And I think we may never find out. Um, and uh, and maybe from the Musasi's perspective, it's even better for him because I think Bellator is a perfect spot for him. You're, you're hitting a lot of uh, beats here, and I do agree that Bellator is the home where he ought to be. He, he seems happy there. I think he's treated with a lot more respect there. Um, we, we know the UFC 
views its fighters generally speaking as as kind of part of the the machine and they're kind of they're kind of just the cogs that make the the watch turn so to speak but in bellator they scott coker definitely has a long relationship with Gegard. it goes back more than a decade um there's a comfort yep. there of course um so really the question is where does he sit in terms of ranking at middleweight like where is he in terms of the other contenders and the question that i have there is what do you think that means for you know let's see the body of work that he had in the ufc before he left almost it was about four and a half years ago now so it's been a while right. uh, but when he left he was on a five fight win streak over talis latest where you don't have to love him but he was at least regarded pretty well at, at that point tiago santos knocked him out vitor belfort uh not trt but uh, but nonetheless, it's still Belfort. Uh, <laughs> Uriah Hall getting the retribution for that victory that probably wasn't stolen from him. But let's face it, he he was winning that fight until he wasn't. Um, and then Chris Weidman. Now, none of these guys are in, you know, the top five or anything like that. But uh, when you have five straight victories for them by TKO over those caliber guys and, and Uriah Hall's on, you know, borderline top 10, I think you can probably safely say that he still belongs at the very least in the top 10. I think realistically the skill set is there. Age wise, he's getting up there, but skill set wise, I think he's probably still better than most of the guys in the middleweight division of the UFC. I think he would beat guys like you know Poroshina. I think he would beat uh, uh, Martin uh, Marvin Vittori. Excuse me. Uh, I I think he definitely belongs in the top five. That's where I would put him. Where he is beyond that, I'm not sure. Uh, Dan, I know you're not a big fan of Musasi because well, no, of that not, one fight. Yeah, but... <laughs> I, mean, I was I was joking with that the, one. The, the Douglas yeah. Lima fight. But... I, I was more upset with you making me watch it. Uh, I know, um, I know. You'll you'll never let me go. <laughs> uh, I, here's my thing with Musasi. If he cared where he was ranked, he'd be in the UFC. But he has better other yeah. priorities like money, being sure. treated better. Rolexes, so, Rolexes. He's big on the Rolexes. If you like, remember the video, the guy's got over 50 fights, almost 60, right? Yeah, he's closing yeah. on 60. I, I, <laughs> At this point, fifty-eight is the official at, number. At this point, I don't think he cares about being regarded as the best guy in the world. If he was still in the UFC, I think he'd be just where, right where he right where he left in twenty seventeen, like number four, number but, three, maybe. But I don't care if he so, doesn't care. I want to care. Oh, I'm... <laughs> he doesn't seem to care about anything. He's just like, yeah, whatever, whatever they want. I don't care. He's very, very quiet. Guy I, I think guy. he's. A, I think I don't. I don't. I, I like him at number three. Yeah. In the middleweight overall picture, I think he's better than Cannoneer. Yeah, I think Better so. Too. I mean, it's not saying these guys can't beat him because sure. we've seen like he doesn't show up sometimes. That's the thing, yeah. Um, but I think skill for skill, he's better yeah. than than just about everybody in the UFC, except for definitely not uh Adesanya. Although I wouldn't even rule out on on any given day he could actually win that fight. I wouldn't pick him, but I can't rule him out. And then yeah, like Robert Whitaker, uh, I think that would be an interesting fight that never got to happen. But I mean, maybe maybe we Gegard has enough pull with Scott Coker to be like, hey, let's let's do a cross promotional <laughs> here. Title versus title. Yeah, versus but Scott Coker doesn't have enough pull with Dana White. That's the problem. That's never going to happen. Pipe dreams, my friend. Uh, let, let's move on, though. Before we even get into tested rounds, there's one thing that you wanted to get off your chest, Dan. So I'm going to let you uh, get it off your chest. Don't don't waste too much time on this, my friend. we got to get into these rounds. I'm rescinding a 2021 judgey. My unsung hero was Marcel Dorf. I'm rescinding that due to his tweet. That is just complete nonsense. Everybody knows Nevada has screens. Silly, unnecessary tweet. And it, it, it makes you lose your judgy. So so the tweet was about the fact that he, he says that he doesn't know or they don't know if, if they have screens in Nevada to watch. He's, he's then... saying this is this is like this is silly. Nevada has to 
uh, correct this immediately. The judges need screens, and, and we already know they have screens. So. They do. They do. And, and, and UFC provides screens, I believe, in every state they go to at this point. So Unnecessary. You lose your judgey. Yeah. Uh, I, I think what he was also saying, too, is like he really just sees them trying to look around and like use their right. eyes and stuff, which is, yeah, I mean, that that's... That's what they want. You get a better view being up close than you do on the... Uh, you know, if watching on a screen, at least until you don't. Once there's an you know obstacle in the way, you have the worst view in the world. But until that time, my understanding, and as as a non-judge and someone who is not even shadowed yet, which you know, hopefully the world's changing and getting open more maybe. again. Maybe maybe this year is the year. We'll see. Um, but uh, my understanding is that you really would like to be able to use your actual eyes to see what happens. Imagine that. Um, I, I think Ben told us you know, he likes using Ben Cartledge, yes, likes using it in grappling situations. Yeah, no, and, that makes a lot of sense. So you can the, see for the screen. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, you really want to see how the punches connect, and you can't. I mean, you could even sit in home and say to yourself, "Yeah, sometimes it lands," but then you're like, "Well, did that land? Yeah, did I don't that know. Land? I'm not it's sure. hard to tell. Yeah. It's really hard to tell. <laughs> you need that kind of that visual feedback of being up close." Real quick, Tajik, before we get into contested rounds, because we got to dive into this, we've, we've kind of delayed this a lot. What is yes. the closest that you've ever sat at an MMA show? Like, how, how close to the cage have you been? Uh, I've been in uh, pretty close. I think that was the closest I have been was either second row or third row. Okay, was this was this a UFC show or like kind of a regional show or something? Uh, I was at the UFC, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was the UFC, I think in uh, uh, in in DC. Okay, you're, you're when, in Virginia, uh, if I understand right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was pretty close. It was accessible, and uh, yeah, even there I couldn't couldn't see much. I I, I was like right near the cage, and I was like, wow, like uh, it doesn't matter. I think I had to, like if I if if I knew, like I would have taken back like, the very first throw or. But yeah, that's that's. I don't I don't know. I don't think I don't think it makes much difference to be honest with you. Yeah, the the thing with uh, live MMA, and we've all been there. Um, I feel like if you don't have like one of those like super awesome like god seats, like you might as well just sit like in kind of like the middle of the the lower bowl or all the way up at the top. Like that's it true. doesn't matter. Like you're just gonna be watching the screen anyway. Because uh, you're you're not going to be able to see make out too much. There's going to be way too many uh, object uh, excuse me obstructions uh, in your view. So yeah, I was just curious to get that out. But yeah, I was there because the problem was that the the Floyd Mayweather's bodyguard was like in front of us, <laughs> and the guy was huge. Uh, this was the time when uh, uh, the the Uzbek fighter. Uh, Wow, uh, Muradov was fighting, and Muradov is Team Mayweather, mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 Floyd's bodyguard, the the, the big I forgot his name. Uh, he was he flew to support him, and he was standing up the whole time. And then I told him <laughs> sit down, and he looked back, and he didn't say nothing. He just sat down. But but uh, <laughs> but uh, but he yeah. But but before before I said it to him, I was patient, right? Sure. And then and then uh, and then uh, when when the the crowd grew impatient, people around me and myself, I had to, you know, c- come in and, and let him know. And, and then the visuals were a little bit better. So, yeah. OK. All right. So, yeah, we definitely have to dive in. We got six rounds uh, to go over for uh, contested rounds from UFC Vegas 49. Let's kick it off with let's say this probably wasn't even as controversial uh, for people as the unanimous decision that we just spoke about. But uh, the more prominent of the two splits that we had was uh, Armin Petrosian 
who got the win over Gregory Rodriguez. Was were you the one Tajik who said Superman versus RoboCop and they talked about that on the broadcast? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Uh, Bisping liked the comment, but it, it's Good. like I think it was pretty obvious. One oh, is yeah. the Superman, the other is the RoboCop. Sure. Just like yeah, <laughs> it was, he he just liked that. It was like, huh, I hadn't thought about it like that. Bunch of movies going against each other. Anyway, and then he forgot uh, about Happy Gilmore too. Oh no, no, he didn't forget it. He, I think, what happened there. I'm going to defend Bisping on this okay. one because I think the, he said the Gilmore shot. So what? Why would he think of the Gilmore shot in the moment? He's thinking about fighting right now. Yeah. I I All got right. it right away because I've seen that movie like literally hundreds of times, right. and I can probably quote it start to finish. We're not going to do that. That's another podcast, maybe. But. Yeah, I think once they got it, once they got him on the page of oh, we're talking about Happy Gilmore. He's like, oh yeah, he and he was able to quote it uh, in um, in passing. He he knows that movie. So uh, shout out to Bisping. He he knows he knows that movie. Uh, the scores though to, in this fight, we don't want to belabor this too much. Uh, were twenty nine twenty eight and thirty twenty seven, both for Petrosian, and then a twenty nine twenty eight for Rodriguez. Rounds two and three are the ones who are split here. So, Dan, why don't you break down round two and tell me which way you scored it? Yeah, this was a very close round. Uh, Rodriguez started strong, landed some good shots early. Petrosian kept his composure and kept firing back. He attacked the legs and body really well. A few of the strikes he did land to the head appeared to wobble Rodriguez, at least back him up a little bit, seemed to like at least stun him. Uh, Rodriguez was landing strikes that were snapping the head back. I thought it was really close and probably... The deciding round of the fight, but I uh, I scored it for Petrosian ten nine. Yeah, I ended up going for uh, Rodriguez here. I thought that the early success was far and away the most impactful um, and more immediate damage of the round. I thought he was in, in like legit trouble here, you know. And I think as much as he was getting tagged later on, Rodriguez, I think he wins that that the pendulum swing of like who ha- who got closest to maybe the end. You know what I mean? Um, that doesn't mean he gets the round automatically, but I thought he had enough success. Uh, he, he was finding his moments here and there later as he was still, you know, losing momentum. I think he did enough to kind of hang on to that early lead. So, but I, I agree with you. This is this is a very defensible score. I think either way, as long as you're making good points um, about that. So, you know, I I sided with Doug Crosby here, who was the out judge. You sided with uh, Mike Bell and Tony Weeks. Uh, Tajik, wh- which way did you see this one? And I sided with Dan uh, and Tony Weeks. So, yeah, I, I I think that round was indeed close. I think uh, early Robocop was was, make, was, was looking re- really good. But to me, uh, this round, like as, ev- as well as every, every round, first, second, third, was both like uh, immediate and cumulative-wise uh, the amount of damage that, 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 that he was, uh, that Petrosian, uh, was was making to Robocop was very very evident. So it didn't make any kind of in my eyes. Even the fact that there was a submission threat, I think in the second, couldn't take away the fact of how consistently was 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 Petrosian not only outstriking him, but how much impactful his damage has wa- uh, was from the fight ending uh, uh, standpoint. And so that that's why I scored the the second round to to Petrosian as well. Gotcha, gotcha. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, again, totally defensible scores either way. I don't think this is anything anyone should get mad about at all. What about round three, Dan? What What do you see here? Well, Rodriguez came out and explodes Pedrosian's nose. It's, <laughs> it's just a bloody mess. Uh, then he, he attacks this ham ripper, um, but it, it wasn't really in there long. I thought it was defended rather easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he had a decent rear naked choke attack in this scramble. 
um, which was defended pretty good. I mean, he did take a bunch of damage um, outside of these sub attempts. Probably should have kept punching, I would think. Um, that usually helps. I mean, they get back to the feet, and they, they just continue to bang, really. And and towards the end, I thought Petrosian was, was getting the better of Rodriguez and kind of on his way to getting him out of there. I thought he was hurting him hurting him really good, and I thought the tide turned uh, a bit. I just don't think he had enough time to get there, and I think what Rodriguez did early was was better and, and wins him the round. But I, I'm totally okay with someone seeing it uh, for Petrosian. It's funny, because that's basically what I said about round two. Mm. So you're just copying me and applying it to a different yes. round. This is lame. This is lazy. Um, <laughs> I I saw it for Rodriguez as well, basically the same points you did. And and the judges, by the way, who were on our side were um, Mike Bell and Doug Crosby. So I actually had the same scorecard as Doug Crosby, who, you know, if you're a regular listener, you know I've uh, not always seen Doug as maybe the most uh, worthy judge to be judging in 2021 now, uh, as much as he is the judging genius. 2022. 2022. Well, you know what? I Obviously, I'm not I'm not one to be keeping track of the date. Uh, that's not me. I'm not a calendar. But <laughs> but I, I will say this. I, I have to I have to give it to him. I think he had the right score here. But I, I think it's a defensible score either way. Um, Tony Weeks saw this one for Petrosian. And, and Tajik, you saw it for Petrosian too, isn't that right? You said that before. Yes, I yeah, I saw it for Petrosian because this is actually the most of the damage from the cumulative standpoint that uh, Petrosian has done uh, on Rodriguez in any of the rounds, right? He outstruck him, uh, what was what was this, like 51 to 19. And uh, I understand kind of the, the, the submission threat just in general. I think Gregory was getting there early, but I felt like Petrosian was still in control. And uh, I think it was he was close to stopping him uh to stopping uh robocop and so to me this was actually the easiest round of three to give it to petrosian interesting okay i mean you know i i disagree i don't think you're wrong to go that way but i obviously i saw it the other way um but yeah i mean this is this is one of the split decisions that i think nobody should really be getting too up in arms about and i don't think anyone really did this is the one i'm seeing the r word get thrown around the most for did they really that's the one i'm seeing i didn't see that i don't know yeah, they, at least on Reddit. The R word, uh, by the way, we should throw out there is I is, don't know it is robbery. Uh, oh, robbery. We, don't, we don't like that word on this show, Tajik, uh, because yeah. really, <laughs> realistically, no one's no one's really robbing anybody. Even if you want to say, "Oh, the judges took the win bonus out of their hands," it's like you know what? That, then they un... need then they need better management to start negotiating uh, different with the UFC. That's that. I'm sorry. That's that's the way it works. Um, you know, sometimes I use the term when it seems like that. Maybe if you don't entirely agree, but it's close, I call it a, a legitimate theft. Ooh. Because it's like it could go either way. I don't know if it if it will stick, uh, but yeah. I feel it makes sense, right? Because a robbery is too strong, but when it's close either way, I think legitimate theft makes more sense if you are on the losing side, but you felt like your fighter kind of won, and you're like, I can live with it, you know. So it's legitimate theft, is what I call. You it. know, I I could see it more like like you know, let's say you're bidding on eBay or something like that, and you lose <laughs> that on the auction, and it's like, man, I did my best, I just couldn't get there. You know? <laughs> credit credit to the guy who had the higher bid. This is what it is. Hammersnipe.com. <laughs> what is that? Hammersnipe. What is that one? I don't know that one. It auto auto bids with three seconds left. For Wait, you. what? Yeah. I don't know if it's still in business, but I've that's never how, heard of that that's one. That's how I won auctions like well, what the ten heck? years ago. I thought we were friends. Why didn't you tell me this? <laughs> I thought you were a seller, not a buyer. I mean, I, I sometimes I buy. Usually, I'm <laughs> selling. You're right. Uh, but I did sell like 250 bucks in goods in the last week, oh, though. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I did all right. Um, <laughs> what was that? I, I sold a Ninja Turtles figure and a Pokemon card. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, so if you're out there, if you're the one who's getting my Dratini, enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. Yeah, we had another split decision. Uh, this was actually the curtain jerker of the card. It was Carlos Hernandez uh, against uh, Victor Altamirano. Uh, that's probably the first time I said his name right. Every time I want to say it wrong. But uh, again, split decision. Same thing. 29-28, 30-27, and then a 29-28 the other direction. We're talking about rounds one and three here. Dan, so what happens in round one of this flyweight fight? First off, with flyweight to start the card, I feel like is like you're just trying to make things tough on the judges to start, right? Yeah, I, I just want to point out before we get into this fight, I think 30-27 both ways is completely fine. Okay, so we don't uh, need to talk about the rounds anymore. We've already covered that. It's a super... Moving on. Yeah, it's super close fight. I mean, actually, mm. people really weren't up in arms on this one uh, too much. I, I thought it was a close round. Both were landing really good strikes. You got... Altamirano didn't want to throw a lot of kicks this round, uh, which he, he normally does. He finally started getting it towards the end. Um, I think Hernandez landing a bit more powerful. Uh, he does get the takedown, and what really set it apart for me, he lands a good elbow from the top. And I was like, all right, that that's probably the definitive strike for me to, to lean Hernandez, but I, I could see it totally for Altamirano. Yeah, that was really kind of what put it over for me too, Dan, the, the, just the fact that he kind of get that, that extra oomph behind mm-hmm. that strike in the early part. I I didn't see much that was kind of taking the round beyond that. I think it was very close up until that point. So that was that was something that made a bit of a difference for me. Uh more than more than being on the ground itself. You know, there was the right. actual impact coming from that. So yeah, we both saw it, I guess, for Hernandez then and, and the judges on that one were Mike Bell uh and Sal D'Amato. Uh Altamirano got the ten nine from Dave Hagen. Uh how'd you see this one, Tajik? Yeah, I gave uh, this this round. Sorry, is there an echo? No. Okay, good, good. So I I gave this round to Altamirano, and uh, you know my justification. I think it wasn't coming from uh, effective striking because I felt like in terms of the striking, they're I, I, near identical at every at every round. I think, uh, I, and I had to kind of resort to the second criteria, which is effective uh, aggressiveness, because I felt like Altamirano was pushing forward and trying to seek for. Uh, you know, finishing sequence. Now, how successful he was, uh, maybe not so much. But I think he was he was more proactive in attempting to 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 seek finish. And when it comes to kind of striking being there is b- uh, the parity being in terms of the striking, you have to resort to that. And uh, that's why in kind of in this round and in every uh, in other rounds in particular, that's that's something that stood out to me. And and I ba- I scored this round and then the other by uh, base of the of of the uh, uh, aggressiveness that Altamirano has shown. Well, one thing I, I'd like to point out to you, actually, uh, Tajik, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but judges, the top judges especially, will tell you that they really don't resort to that second level of criteria, like basically right. ever. So really what they're looking for is even one technique that has to separate them. So that's why, especially Dan and I, I think, were able to cite that that kind of right. that last well, – it was an elbow, right? The elbow, yeah, yeah. The elbow. That, I think, really was kind of what helps put it over. Um, I mean, look, if you're sitting at home, I can't tell you how to score it, but if you do want to try, and this goes for you or Tajik or anyone listening at home, if you do want to try and emulate the way judges are scoring it, make sure you're trying to think about stuff like that, uh, in terms of really don't even worry about it. I, I almost wish that at the beginning of the broadcast, they would say, listen, we're only talking about effective striking and grappling aggression and cage control. They're probably only going to come into place if the round is 
has to end early and they go to a technical decision because that's right. pretty much the only time you'll ever hear a judge say that they've used it. Uh, at least of the top judges, we did we did hear it from uh, Judge J.J. Ferraro who worked in Houston and got a lot of flack uh, for doing it that way last year. So there, that was the one time I think. But I, I, yeah. I will say that you're applying the aggressiveness in the correct way. Sure, that it, it comes yeah. secondary. So yeah, it, it it would have to, and the reason why I resorted to that, and I understand why other judges and maybe uh, the judging community, like uh, journalists, have not. It, it's hard, right? Because you have to, if even if you found this one technique, then you have to do it, right? But then, uh, but then I couldn't assess the impact of that technique to an extent where I would say that this this round was decisive toward Hernandez for me. That's why kind of uh, you resort only to a secondary criteria in terms of the effectiveness when the first one is 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 identical or near identical. So in in or or identical, right? In this case, which was in my judgment at the time when I was watching this round was identical. I did not could not find any differential, significant differential. So uh, to correct myself between Altamirano's and uh, Carlos's performance in terms of the striking, that's why I had to resort to to effective. Uh, aggressiveness as, as, as the secondary criteria it was just out of the lack of option and uh, i did not want to replicate the kind of maybe any of the judges in that sense sure. uh, and and that's why i kind of like i was like wow this is even so where do we go from here and so uh, going to the the effective ag ag aggressiveness it was kind of like out of the necessity for me you know what I like about you, though, Tajik, is is the fact that you you in in talking about this with you over the last few weeks, I've come to understand that you do have a very healthy respect for the way the judges actually do it, and you're you're not one to really call out judges um, that I, I've observed. I don't. No. Yeah, and, and I think that's that is the key thing for people to remember at home is and and you said this yourself. I'm I'm almost positive that you're not a judge and and you defer to them because this is what they do. So I, I at least appreciate that. I I think. I think maybe there's there's a lot we can all learn about the way judges. I I've never actually been trained. I've never taken the course. I would love to take the course, uh, the command wherever if they, if they do it at a ABC this year. I'd love to do that as well uh, if it comes up. So I'm really an untrained guy myself. But you know we can all learn a lot about the way judges do things. The one thing I would love to see them be able to change in the wording of the criteria is I think it really needs to be even more. Um, explicitly downplayed how much judges do not use aggression and cage control because it does start to project some sort of importance if it's worded the way it is. I don't think it's played down enough. I think it needs to be more clear so that it would, once you get it to the broadcast, once the UFC starts telling you, don't worry about it, I think it'll educate people a lot better on it because there's very mixed signals that come from uh, the messaging of the UFC when they're talking about criteria. So that's where I think I, it really be. I agree be with you. It 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 it, it open. It, there is some room for interpretation, and I think it's it actually it's rarely happens that we kind of we would even consider this 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 the secondary uh, and and uh, thir um, what do you call tertiary criteria, right? Uh, but but uh, in in the rounds where like let's say Altamirano Hernandez round two, let's say 20, 26 strikes versus 27 strikes third round 33 strikes versus 33 strikes if there are ever opportunities to kind of explore or consider those secondary and tertiary criteria then that that, that 
that this is probably one of those very rare instances because these were like very near even rounds in terms of the striking output. Sure, but we're just talking about numbers there at that point. Of course, we, you know, you watch True. enough fights to know that not all strikes are created equal. You know, I, everything's lumped in as significant or what I like to call insignificant strikes, which are the ones that don't count. I don't know why they what are you supposed to call the ones that they don't call uh, significant strikes? It's I don't know. I just thought it's stupid, so I just call them insignificant strikes. But you know, there, there's so many levels to to quote unquote significant strikes. There's you know, there's the jab that lands pretty solid. There's the one that you know really cocks their head back, and then there's the one that really knocks them off their you know off their equilibrium. They all count as significant strikes. We can't measure them that way. You know, you know that too, of course. Dan knows that as yeah. well. Um, let's move on though. We do, we still have to get a few more rounds in, uh, and, and including one more in this fight. So that is round three. There was a little bit of a disagreement here as well. Uh, two judges saw it for Altamirano. One judge saw it for Hernandez. Uh, Dan, what, what happens in this round? Another super close round, but really this round's close because of the way Hernandez ends the round. I mean, early in, in pretty much most of the whole, whole round, it's all Altamirano. Yeah. Landing kicks and punches to the body. The side of Hernandez is just just completely red. Uh, but in that final minute, Hernandez lands a few strong combos, some good flurries, and maybe you know if you see it, those are the most effective strikes of the of the round. I didn't. I mean, I can't I can't complain either way. But I got a ten nine Altamirano. Yeah, I did too. Um, I, I you know. It's hard to because I I have a lot more respect than I think a lot of people on Twitter do right now for for Judge D'Amato. Um, I recognize he is one of the best in the world. Uh, everyone else is just they're just mad and they'll forget about it. Everyone's by the way has like completely forgotten about Chris Lee. So whenever I put up the uh, the judges who are working these these fights, you'll see people like oh Natalie Bird and and, and Sal D'Amato. I guess it better not go to the judges. No one says anything about Chris Lee anymore, Wait. and he was the one everyone was picking on a year ago, so they'll forget everything eventually. It, it, it is amazing how, when you see someone, a judge, say something like Tony Weeks came out, they're like, Tony Weeks is always in bad decisions. <laughs> I'm like, when? <laughs> I know. They just, you know, that's why Like, I feel like some there has to be somebody like that, that not not to defend judges right but like uh, you know from scott from your point of view also kind of like somebody who at least explains how hard it is to, to just to judge like and 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 not only from the, the moment but after that taking a hit for something that is not all that financially rewarding as you guys know not and at yet all it, at all right and and yet and yet you get so much criticism right like and so much pressure for doing just your job which is which we just paid barely anything that's why maybe kind of this is maybe that the side of me where i felt a little bit more proactive in in trying to at least understand where the judges are coming from and balance things out because majority of the public only remembers the bad decisions poor decisions and controversial decisions and and the regular decisions as regular and quote-unquote are taken like lightly or nobody praises them when the scorings are done accurately so to say it's true yeah i mean there's they're really it's not that we have judges aren't sitting around like lap dogs hoping that they get petted and when they don't they they go whimper away i don't they're these are grown people that they're martial artists themselves you know the thing i think a lot of people don't understand is there are some of these guys are are former fighters some of them are you know they've been training for decades um it, it's this is a, a a community of people who they live and breathe this stuff, you know. 
I, I can even just tell you from secondhand. I've heard I've heard Adelaide Bird goes to gyms all the time. She's always asking questions. She tries. She wants mm. to learn more. She's curious about this. Uh, this. This is what I've heard secondhand. Um, so if you don't think she takes this thing seriously, I, I, I think you're wrong based on what my the intelligence I've gotten. Um, and someone like Judge D'Amato is, is just so experienced. He's in every main event except for the first time he hasn't been in a main event in, in more than two years was the Houston event. Uh, just just recently, and I don't know why they didn't put him there. Fortunately, everything was kind of fine with the scoring. Uh, it didn't really make a difference, but it was it was a very curious decision. Um, but yeah, I think we do on this show. We try to we're not like I said, we're not even defending the judges themselves. We're just trying to kind of balance out the intelligent no. conversation around it. Um, and I I don't think there's enough of it. I think it's actually improving. I think. You know, I, I would like to think that we had some effect on that, but I think uh, probably the greater effect come from someone like uh, Sean Sheehan. Uh, now we've seen Aaron Bronstetter from TSN. It has kind of, I don't want to say come to Jesus or anything like that, but he's definitely had uh, more of a, an understanding and a willingness to understand uh, the scoring criteria and the way judges apply it. He seems to be very much a champion of helping people understand how to intelligently score a fight from home the right way. Uh, so when when you get people like that on board who have a lot of reach and a lot of pull and a lot of respect from people on, you know, let's say social media, for example, I think it helps the whole community uh, learn more. So, you know, it's it's good. I think we're heading in the right direction. It just it takes a lot, <laughs> you know. Uh, but to get back to this round, um, and, and I don't want to belabor this one too much, but, yeah, I, I think I think we could probably say that it, it was a tough you know, round as far as how do you score that kind of end offense from Hernandez. If Sal D'Amato saw something from his cage side seat that made him go the other way, I can understand why. Like, you, you have to try and put yourself in the seat of the person who's giving the score and say, why might he have done that? And try to, like, if you're not, if you're grasping at straws, like, maybe you're like, okay, maybe this is kind of a weird score. But if you can sit there and say, hey, that landed a lot harder than maybe you really thought it did from his seat. You got to understand it. Like that's you just need to be able to defend your score with the criteria. So I'm sure Sal could do that in this case. But let's move on. Oh, Tajik, how'd oh, you score that round? Oh yeah, we didn't. Tajik, how'd you do it? <laughs> which, which which round? Round Third three round? of uh, Hernandez Altamirano. Yeah, you know, like kind of. Uh, I I kind of apply to what I said about uh, round one to the round three as well. I I scored I I scored it to, to uh, Altamirano as well. And um, the thing here, though, I have to look like I really agree with Dan because I think he made an excellent point. Like if you scored it like uh, other way or like 30-27, you should be absolutely okay with it. And I think it's it's very like strong and uh, eye-opening message when you say that because it really like it was that close. Uh, I saw it my kind of my way and I applied kind of certain, uh, you know, just a justification based off of certain, um, uh, you know, analysis of or my interpretation of things of, of judging. And so I gave it to Altamirano. But if you uh, sitting out there gave it 3027 to Hernandez, I would totally be okay with it just like that. So I just wanted to put it out there. Sure, so, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think what we like to say on the show too, or at least I do sometimes, is is that there's kind of a range of acceptable scores in fights. Yep. It's not just there's one score that it ought to be, like because you saw it that way. You know, mm -hmm. not you particular Tajik, but let's say someone at home, you know, who's drinking their beer, looking at their phone, occasionally looking at the fight. I saw it twenty nine twenty eight, and that's what it ought to be. Well, you know what? 
if you were watching the whole time, maybe you'd see it differently. Or if you looked away, maybe you saw it differently. But all those judges even who are watching and they're locked in, there are different ways to see around. And they're all acceptable as long as you can defend it using the scoring criteria. You're not wrong. If you don't like it, then your beef is with the criteria. That's just where it is. I I will always point to the criteria over the application of it as long as it's being applied correctly. So um, moving on, though, we do have two more rounds. And I think we can probably try to lightning through these a little bit. Uh, we're kind of a little long, I think, from what we usually do. So uh, it's been a great conversation, this kind of, that kind of type of show. But um, Jonathan Martinez, who got a unanimous decision victory over Alejandro Perez, 29-28s twice and a 30-27. We're only talking about a discrepancy in round one. Uh, Dan, why are we talking about this round? Uh, because it, end, it ends with uh, Martinez getting waffled. Uh, at the clacker. So, <laughs> yeah. And other than that, I don't think he really did much in the round. Uh, really good kicks everywhere from Martinez to the head and to the legs. Uh, even if they're, they're being partially blocked, I mean, I think they're still knocking them off his center line pretty good. Uh, I didn't think Perez really did much. He threw some of his own leg kicks, but they they were being checked. And I, I was kind of wondering why these guys weren't falling on the ground crying. Because when I, when I stub my, my shin on the coffee table, that's what I do. Well, I, I uh, could call you a name, but I'm not going to. <laughs> And then at uh, a kick gets caught right before this big shot, and and Martinez lands like six or seven lefts to the head. I thought they were pretty good, even though he's on one foot. And then the clacker goes off, and he gets waffled with a right. He's standing on one foot, so it's kind of a slip. I didn't think he got that hurt from it, uh, but it is a knockdown. And uh, I, but I scored it for Martinez ten nine. So hey, hold on, are you, are you scoring it because it's the knockdown or because no, because, because, you, know, because you got to score the actual effect, not the right. Yeah, I didn't think down. I didn't think the effect was there, but he did get knocked down. So that that is heavy impact. Yeah, I guess. So, but, you but know, I, like you but, said, he might have been off balance. But I'm saying now I'm poking holes at you from some. But the more, <laughs> I'm giving my reasoning why someone may you. go that way. I know I'm just being a jerk. While I'm going Martinez because I didn't see it as strong, but mm. others may have seen sure. it as a big knockdown. No, I understand. I understand. I I didn't. I I saw more or less what you saw, but but I actually saw. Uh, enough effect from what Perez was doing throughout the round that I think we could go there. Uh, I don't want to belabor it too much, uh, but I I did agree with uh, judges Mike Bell and Sal D'Amato here. You agreed with Dave Hagan. Uh, Taji, how would you see it? Yeah, I think I, I uh, you know, I agree with Dan. I think, uh, you know, on, on the on the cumulative side, I, I understand uh, why Turbo was not probably winning the winning the round, uh, but uh, but in the end, that that knockdown and the impact that it had, I think, was the closest to 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 the finishing sequence. So, and then so the immediate has to prevail, and that's why I gave it to to uh, to Turbo in that uh, first round. Okay, all right. So we can move on though. We have one more round, like I said, and this is actually just a ten eight nine debate over uh, how Josiane Nunez won round two over Ramona Pasquale because uh, it was two thirty twenty sevens and a thirty twenty six. Uh, the 10-8 score came from Chris Lee. The 10-9s in this round came from judges Doug Crosby and Adelaide Bird. Uh, Dan, why why might this be a 10-8, and how do you see it? Uh, I think I think it. I'll start from the beginning. She smashes her with a big left. Cup a couple of them hurts her pretty bad. Takes her back and starts landing these strong elbows while she's uh, on the ground. I'm like, all right, she keeps doing this. It's over. Yeah. And then well, she decided she wanted a submission, and that didn't go well. <laughs> got, no. got back on her feet and then she got taken down with a, with a like a power double it was a pretty solid impactful takedown and from there nothing happened yeah um i can see a 10-8 because i mean it was really good damage 
but did she really push for that finish uh, as as much as she could have? Maybe not. Did Pasquale earn herself a nine? I don't know because she really didn't do anything. So I think that helps the case for a ten eight. Wow. I just think it's a ten nine. I I think it's a ten nine. The only thing I would say, and and I don't want to make this too big because we do, like I said, we kind of want to get to the end here. But uh, I I do think Pasquale. I think because she was able to avoid a lot of damage, even though again she's not really doing much, she she was able to negate a lot for a significant portion of this round and i think that's enough to at least bring it down from the eight because you can't say necessarily that nunez was able to to keep the eight you know what i mean right so i i think that's the tough thing if you want to say that nunez was so close to a finish that i think that's where you can start saying that eight kind of comes out i can understand that i don't think that's the best way to do it but there there is a little bit of room in the criteria to be able to do that kind of thing so uh, i don't think chris lee is necessarily wrong for that but i think the the better score here is the 10-9 so that's where i went what about you tajik yeah i rarely give 10 eights. you know i rarely give it this one that's was a smart no way exception. to do it because judges do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, so i i agree with what you guys have said i'll, I'll keep it short it, it, it takes something special for me to get the 10-8 and it, it wasn't the, the the occasion yeah usually you're looking for at least two uh of the d's the the, the three d's that we talk about damage dominance and duration uh at this point judges really need the damage to be one of them that's just in practice how they're doing it no matter how the criteria is read um so yeah it, it's it's tough i mean you could say damage for sure she achieves but does she get dominance and duration i just don't know uh if we really have that here so i'm not i'm not really uh going to go that way but again there there are some other loopholes in the criteria that allow for chris lee to do that with with some uh backing here so not a crazy score uh there that is it for the rounds though favorite finish we will get to first there were six of them we had two tkos four subs and three of the finishes came in the first round dan you know what actually we should leave with tajik tajik's our guest what was your favorite uh, I I liked really the uh, ground and pound by Armand Sarukian, okay. and I think it was just uh, it was it was it was a thing of beauty. Except it reminded me of, of, of <laughs> it reminded me of Khabib, but also like it reminded me a little bit of like a good old days, like Mark Coleman type of uh, ground and pound. We don't see it that much these days, you that's know. They're very that's that's why we only name it like Khabib. And Mark Coleman, you know, like I don't, I don't. Shemayev <laughs> there's, there's oh, Yeah, Hamza Shemayev. <laughs> yeah, Shemayev too. I agree with Dan here, but yeah, this was just so special, and it was also, I think, a little bit on the. Uh, I think the fact that there was so much uh, kind of blood around, it was just added to the to how just impactful and how just. Uh, just amazing that it was so, so it's it was a beautiful destruction so that that's why i like just bleed guy loved it yeah he did uh, apparently he's not a, f- a fight fan really anymore uh-huh. there, there's a whole article on bloody elbow really? you should find it oh, yeah okay. uh the just bleed guy they, they caught up with him it's weird um <laughs> but yeah I, I mean that 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 blood it reminded i think of some people i, I saw some people kind of hearkening back to the uh the bj pen uh uh, Joe Daddy Joe Stevenson. Daddy Stevenson, thank yeah. you. Yeah, oh, they, wow. that was the one that that people yeah. jumped at. I like I like the hammer reference though from you, Tajik. Uh, Dan, what was your favorite? Ignacio Bahamondes tapping uh, Rongju with a ninja choke. They called it a guillotine, but it was a it was a no arm dars, which is you know been coined the uh, ninja choke. You saw the ninja stars so, being thrown, so you knew it was a ninja pretty choke. much yeah. yeah. <laughs> and after I mean after two rounds of of beautiful you know striking. Oh yeah, I mean he looked amazing. He he. Total complete performance. Uh, so that's my favorite. How about you? I had uh, Terrence McKinney 
tapping out for SZM like I talked about earlier. I mean, this, he didn't he didn't even need half a round. Um, he, he at least logged a little bit of time here, but the, the rear naked choke, I don't think that many people were saying that McKinney was going to win by submission here. I'm sure there was some people, but betting community was big on it for some reason. Is that right? Oh, see, I don't bet. I, so yeah, that, that shows what I know, but no, I was, I was all aboard the, I think he's going to win decision thing here. I just thought that ZM would be a hard opponent to put away. I didn't think he'd necessarily fit him with finish him with the striking. I was right in that respect, but my prediction was wrong in that respect but uh, hey I, I knew he'd win i was i was pretty confident of that and i also by the way i love that our favorite finishes were all the undercard lightweights that we talked about earlier so yeah. I, I think there's a lot of excitement <laughs> about around this and i was very excited coming into this one too for those fights uh but that is it we can close the door on uh this past weekend and I mean, it doesn't have to be too quick but you know we're, like i said we're, we're getting a little long here we got to look ahead to the usc 272 of course uh the headliner is a non-title fight, which we don't get too many of, especially when they don't involve Conor McGregor, uh, between Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. Welterweight showdown. I don't know that there's necessarily title implications here, which is another very strange thing in modern UFC to do. But of course, these guys, you know, they have uh, some name recognition. They, you know, they <laughs> you can find them if you watch Fox News. So there's that. Uh, <laughs> they're... I don't know what what do you think of this fight, Dan? Like when when you see this fight, do you actually get excited for this? Like on let's say on a, either a fight level or on a promotional level. To be honest, this is they're doing a lot of promotion for this fight. Sure, I think more so than they did for two seventy one. Yeah, I think there's probably um, a, a bigger bigger push for it. Sure, uh, some of it feels fake or at least exaggerated uh, as far as their friendship thing goes. I mean, they're both up and coming. Well, Jorge wasn't really up and coming, but I guess he could he could make a case that he'd get there. It just feels a little bit fake to me. What do you mean uh, when, you, when you say fake? Do you think that like they don't necessarily hate each other that much? I think they maybe they they've grown apart and like they dislike each other maybe. But the hatred that Jorge's saying the the best headline for for Sunday morning is Colby and critical might not make it is kind of I don't think the hatred's at that at that level. It's it's at all. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it's necessarily quite at that level, but I will say this. I actually did speak to Jorge uh, the other day. Uh, that interview should be coming early in the coming week. So, you know, maybe Monday, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday or something like that. Um, I did, you know, we were talking a little bit about Colby, of course. And I mean, he seems to be extremely mad about especially the the money situation, the whole thing with his coach and the, and the, the interim title fight where Colby stiffed his who he described who uh, Jorge describes as like basically his fight father uh he stiffed him on like twelve thousand dollars or something like that so it seems like there's there's a lot of roots in that I, I don't know I mean it I think I think he at least at the moment I think everything that he's feeling and saying is absolutely truthful he is very 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 mad at Colby and and he does not like him right now could he feel a little bit differently the next day I don't know but it it's tough to say. Yeah, I I don't know. It's probably just embellished a bit, right. but I think he. I don't think they're going to be friends after this either. Without the embellishment, they're not a main event. So that's true. Hey, look, they're they're doing what they need to do to get the uh, the fight out there to actually have, like I said, a non-title, probably not even number one contender fight to be a headliner on a UFC pay per view. Just doesn't happen. Uh, Tajik, what do you think of this fight? Yeah, I think this fight is going to sell a lot of pay-per-views because the story is there, the hype is there. Uh, This is the fight that um, a lot of people want to see. 
And, uh, you know, maybe I don't think it's controversial, but uh, I feel like I'm going to be one of the very few people who are going to pick uh, Jorge Masvidal to win this fight. Um, just because I think he's a little bit overlooked here. And um, and I speak it maybe more so from the Colby's perspective, because I said this before, uh, I, I, uh, what, um, I, I feel like the amount of damage that Kamaru uh, has caused on Colby in those two fights are going to significantly take away from, from Colby's ability. And uh, uh, and so that's why to me, you know, Jorge is very athletic, yeah, and uh, and Colby is in love with his hands these days too. And the fact that Kamaru has caused a lot of damage to Colby makes it much more closer fight than people assume. So I can also kind of tackle it a bit from a betting perspective. I think it's insane to bet Colby at these odds. So that's why I'm kind of I'm going to be going for an upset, and I don't know if I'm going to be alone there, but I actually like. Jorge Masvidal to beat uh, uh, Colby, and I haven't made my pick uh, public uh, yet. Kind of uh, Ooh, breaking news. Official. So this is <laughs> yeah. Don't don't tweet breaking news. You get in trouble for that. You know. I don't know. I, look, I don't know if you've seen my Twitter, but uh, I work in media, so I don't really do that unless I need to. It's better yeah, be no, really like, breaking. There are some journalists who I don't know. Like I'm trying to read the news, and they blocked me on Twitter. Like I don't know who you are. Oh, I'm goodness. I'm trying to read the news, and I'm told that some high caliber i i don't know you but let me just read the news why block me you know i'm, I'm not a journalist i'm just a guy with an opinion oh well it's a not it's a separate topic so of but, course but, yeah. of course yeah, we're, we're getting a little off topic but yeah so your pick is is uh masvidal dan what's your pick my pick is covington i uh i mean as, as we, camaro did rock uh, covington in the second one pretty good but he also knocked Jorge's head off when he fought him the second time. So I, I would yeah. I would weigh the damage in, in in Jorge's favor as he's the one that's been more damaged. And, and it's from it, Usman. The one thing that that uh, and this is just a sneak preview a little bit about what's going to be in my interview uh, that's going to New York Post this week is uh, Jorge Masvidal. This was the first time that he was actually clean knocked out, and that and he said that he said that his his other. KO loss was a TKO to Rodrigo Dom. He said, you can go back and watch that. He wasn't really out. He says, absolutely, Kamaru knocked me out. And it, it put him in a little bit of a different state. Like, his, his management said to him, like, you really ought not to be fighting right now for a while. Go do something, chill, whatever. It's 10 months later this, that we're seeing him. Uh, well, close to 11 months now um, that we're seeing him come back here. So, obviously, there's a mental aspect there. So, I mean, it can, it can change you when you've had your first real separation from consciousness in a fight. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's tough to read the mental aspect in a fight I, I have a tough time doing that i'm gonna look at the skills here i'm gonna focus on the skills of my pick and my pick is colby covington i think he's go i don't think it's necessarily going to be the most fascinating of fights i think it's going to be a little bit of a letdown uh i i almost think back to you know this is going back probably what 10 11 years now the rashad evans rampage jackson fight that was a big grudge match that actually headlined a pay-per-view too and that fight also kind of was a letdown I could see this one being like that too, except with two extra rounds to do it in. So I'm going to say Colby decision. I'm going to say Colby decision as well. I, I think, and I'll, I'll trust your word that you know, Jorge is very angry. So Colby's probably pretty angry too. If, if you say it, it's legit beef there. I don't know. How um, I'll take he your just makes word. Everything up. I'll take your word for it. So, and if that's the case, I think Colby will want to wrestle and make it miserable for Jorge for 25 minutes. Can he get caught? Absolutely. But I think Colby's going to, probably do what he did to Woodley and make it, you know, kind of like a boring 
big brothering for five rounds. Yeah, I, I could see it like that too, honestly. I, I, that's actually pretty much how I see it. Or maybe maybe not even necessarily on the map, but I could see a lot of kind of cage clinching, kind of weighing, weighing mm-hmm. on him for a little bit. But he's definitely going to want to put his hands out there at some point. Let's say probably in the later rounds when I think he probably thinks he's taken a little bit off of Masvidal. And then probably get knocked out. <laughs> and, hey, maybe he will. <laughs> maybe he will. Flying knee anytime, right? Uh, this one, of course, is it's in Nevada, right? Is this the T-Mobile Arena? This is yeah. Nevada. Yeah, so th- this is a T-Mobile arena in the Nevada judges. It'll be the same caliber of judges we're typically getting I want to right out, now. Yeah, Cage Warriors is Friday night in California, so maybe we'll get a little couple crossover there. That's right. We'll they, see, there so. might be some double duty guys. They're, they're driving from uh, SoCal up to Vegas. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, maybe maybe someone like Mike Bell, who, mm-hmm. who works in both of the jurisdictions. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be good judging there. I'm not worried about that, fortunately. It's not like when they go to Houston. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> other fights of interest. Uh, I'm going to say one, you know, I listed a few on our little outline here and I'll, I'll name one and maybe you guys can kind of jump in with your next ones if you have anything, but the battle of the Rafael's or Rafael's because we have Rafael Dos Anjos in the co-main against Rafael Fiziev uh, at 155 pounds. I say the winner should get to choose the way that they want each of the fighters to say their names. So, or spell their names even because you know, if you want to change the spelling to like Rafael, like the Ninja Turtle, I approve. Um, this is how I would do it if I was a Raphael. Uh, but I like this fight. I, I think it's a good fight. It's a fun fight. Um, I, I like the test for Fiziev. I'm curious if he can pass it because the, the cardio isn't necessarily there. But I think that's definitely where Dos Santos can stand out. It's five rounds. Is, oh, this is a five round. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, even yep. better. Yeah, that's actually going to play even more in Dos Anjos' favor. So my pick, actually, now I feel even more sturdy with it. I'm going to pick Dos Anjos' round four submission. I'm just picking that right now. That's my pick. <laughs> what do you think, uh, Bre- Tajik? Breaking, right? Yeah, uh... breaking, exactly. So tweet it with the alarms <laughs> on it. <laughs> uh, you know, actually, I, I thought that uh, three rounds uh, favors uh, RDA. Uh, why? Because he's able to kind of take, uh, you know, um, take uh, Fiziev down, in my opinion. Because if Brad Riddell could take Fiziev uh, uh, down, RDA can't take him down. But in terms of the kind of the, the uh, consistency in taking Fiziev uh, down and the impact that he can make, I think is going to be fading and limiting uh, as the rounds go by. So if it was like a thir- three-round fight, I think uh, RDA cannot, could have notched probably like a close uh, decision, like 29-28 or split. Uh, but I think five round, uh, I think Rafael's cardio, Fiziev's cardio is probably going to show up. It's going to be there. Although he has not, uh, has he been in the five round fights? I don't think so. I don't think he was uh, in the five round fight, right? I could be wrong. Fiziev? Oh. Uh, Fiziev? No, he has not. No, I don't uh, think so. I mean, yeah, yeah, it could have been pre-UFC, but definitely not. Yeah, yeah, but he hasn't in the at the UFC level at least, so it's going to be tough for him from the inexperienced standpoint. But I think RDA is also kind of like... Uh, I, I want to be respectful to RDA because he's one of my favorite fighters, right? But he is... Two, 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 and four in his last six fights, you know. So I think he, uh, we can say that he's maybe not. He's past his prime. Uh, he's probably past his prime. Past and, his prime uh, is fair, but that he may not be too far past it either. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough, right? Because he he beat the last time he beat Paul Felder, and Paul Felder uh, is is a commentator, and Kevin Lee is is in Eagle Eagle FC, right? So it's like outside of that, there, you know, 
there was nobody in the last six fights, so it's tough a little bit, you know. But RDA is one of my favorite fighters. I think three rounds would have favored him. Uh, five rounds favors Fiziev, and probably I don't. It's tough to stop RDA, but if anybody can, it's probably going to be Fiziev round four, or round five by TKO. Interesting. So you and I are on opposite sides of that one, Dan. What do you think? I think Tajik makes uh, great points here uh, regarding the cardio of RDA. Just because he's coming back down to he's back down at lightweight. He spent a lot of time at welterweight. But he's but known I, for having a good gas I know. He, 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 he tends to go long. But I wonder if that cut's going to start getting to him. At, I mean, eventually it's going to. I mean, he I don't, but you know, remember, so, don't forget that most of his recent fights were at welterweight. He actually just came down recently. Right, that's against, what I'm, right, against Paul Felder. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So th- these, two, these two wins are at lightweight. And, you know, that that's like the mm. only body of work at lightweight now. So it's actually, I, I kind of lead that way. But no, sorry, I don't want to steal your thunder. Yeah, Please, I, you have I, the floor. I, I think RDA grinds out a decision. Okay. I think I think it'll be, Fizzyev will make it close later, as Tajik is saying. I don't know if, he, if he'll be able to finish him, but I think he will be down 3-0 to start. Okay. Yeah, I could see that too. Um, I don't want to belabor these too much because, we, again, we kind of have to bring this home. But really quick, uh, Tajik, which, which of the other fights kind of on here kind of jumps out at you? Um... I don't know, like <laughs> none of them. Or it's a, uh, Barbosa Bryce Mitchell. I think is good. Is uh, I think it's a good fight. I like the striker uh, versus grappler aspect there. That's kind of fun. yeah. That one is good. Uh, it's it's a little bit tough for for Barbosa because if you think about it, he we we told we thought he's the best striker. Uh, in the UFC, but the only kind of advantage that he has, like a way of winning, like he he loses loses to Chikadze, right? So it's like what what is left of Barbosa now is what we have to question. And Bryce Mitchell is the prospect on the rise, uh, and uh, he's a colorful uh, person outside of uh, you know UFC. And the color, um, by the way, is camouflage. Sorry, that his color, the colorfulness you're talking about is camouflage. <laughs> camouflage, yes. And so, yeah, uh, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's tough. I I think it's a good match. It's a good match. So, but uh, I like Bryce here. Okay, what about you, uh, Dan? Yeah, I, I took Edson when he fought Khabib, and I'm not going to do that again here. Okay. Uh, so I'm taking Bryce Mitchell submission round two rear naked choke. I I think that actually sounds like a reasonable pick. I will say. I will say Bryce Mitchell decision. I think he's just going to be able to take it the distance. Uh, so that's my pick there. Uh, Dan, anything else you're looking forward to? Yeah, well, I'm I'm a little annoyed that we got two heavyweights coming off losses that get a main card spot over Marina Rodriguez and Yan Jonan, who are, are fighting basically number one contendership. Yes. And they're stuck on the prelim, so that's kind of annoying. Um, I think Marie, Rodriguez and, and Jan are... It's a great fight, and I'm leaning Rodriguez here. Going to go uh, decision. I think her, too. I, I'm going to pick her decision as well. Sometimes we like to end up on different sides, but I, I think I think we've got to – I'm, I'm totally in agreement here. It's going to decision. I think she's going to earn that strawweight title shot uh, against whoever wins, uh, Rose Namajunas and uh, Carla Esparza, who's, of course, your favorite, Dan. Oh, of course. Um, what, you got to pick in that one, uh, Tajik? In uh, Rodriguez Shaunan. That's right. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's tough. It's, it's going to be close. I don't have a side here so far. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. You got t- you got time. You don't need to make your pick yet. It's early in the week. Um, <laughs> what ab- what about the heavyweight fight here? Because I I put it on here, and the only reason I put it on here is because I'm I, I will I will make I will not hide this. I am very anti uh, Greg Hardy, so uh, I definitely look forward to him losing every week that he fights. Uh, that's the only reason I'm interested in this because I, I I would like to see him kind of lose again. So yeah, I'm going to predict that Sergey Spivak does 
make him lose again and does TKO him and sends him to, I believe it's his third straight loss if he loses it this would week. Be, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't know that that would end the Greg Hardy experiment unless they think it's not, you know, the juice isn't worth the squeeze money wise, the UFC. But, uh, yeah. So I'm going to say, I'll say round two TKO Sergey Spivak. What do you think, Dan? Uh, cardio tap round one. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Tajik, you got a pick? Yeah, uh, well, Spivak has to take uh, Hardy down. If he doesn't, I think standing up, uh, Hardy may put him in trouble. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, so it's tough. tough. I think Sergey has a path here, but uh, I wouldn't count out Hardy. <sighs> you hate to hear it. <laughs> but it is now. Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, you know, that's it. I, you know, we could obviously talk about all these other fights, but I think we're gonna we're gonna close it out here. Before we do go. Uh, Tajik, why don't you shout out uh, where we can find you on social, all your projects you're up to. Let everybody know where we can find you. Oh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm available at uh, Tajik Bay. Uh, I also started uh, a newsletter, TajikBay.com. You can subscribe there. But uh, I discourage people for from subscribing to my content. Uh, I, I don't know why, but uh, I, <laughs> I think there's just... You're a terrible promoter. Yeah, I am. Just, just, just forget it. What everything, what I said, and uh, don't, don't follow me. If I need you, I will, I will ping you myself. How, how about this? If you are interested in any of the Twitter spaces that Tajik likes to host, just listen to the ones where I am on them, and that's it. That's fine. Just follow me because I make great content. I think everyone should listen to and watch and read all of my content. So that, that's that's how I feel. But uh, but <laughs> you, you uh, I appreciate your self deprecation, uh, Tajik. Thank you very much for joining us on uh, this program. Uh, I think we've had a good time. Yeah, yeah very, very good. Had a good time. Yeah, absolutely. And that is it for us. We will be back again next week post UFC 272. We'll talk about these rounds. Hopefully we won't have too much uh, to, to break down, but there's always something, right, Dan? There's always something. Thank you again to the GOAT, Tajik Bay. Great having you on. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. <laughs>